This is the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. And we are back on the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. I'm the captain at the helm, the captain of this podcast, the Catholic Movie Guy. Joining me on my voyage is... What is your name? I'm sorry. Tenniel. Tenniel. The Tim Man. The Tim Man. Tim. Yeah. The people are clamoring. It's been a few weeks. What's on your mind? What's the Tim Man been doing? Uh, I've been watching several movies. You like to watch movies? It's okay. I thought I liked the movies. You love them. Timmy. You love them. I watch them. So yeah, on this this particular podcast, we're going to do a uh, double feature, I call it. And unlike The Godfather, it won't go on forever and ever and ever. And hopefully we'll have something of substance to say in a very succinct way. I apologize. Uh, before we get into that, I want to mention that uh, I saw very interesting movies, the controversial movies the other day, called It. Tim, did you see it? No, absolutely not. See what I did there? Did you see it? I gotcha. I gotcha. It just doesn't appeal to me. Why, Tom? The, the the clown. I mean, I know it's supposed to be creepy. That I mean, I don't know what the the movie's like. It's probably scary. It's Stephen King, but that clown just looks stupid. Just dumb. Uh, As my wife would say, it's pointless and a waste of time. Did you see the clown's teeth? No, I ain't never seen them. Are they Bergoglio yellow? Oh, okay. First Pope Francis reference, and we are off. Anyway, I enjoyed the film quite a bit, as much as a man uh, can enjoy a film where children are eaten. That reminds me of the great Bob Dylan song, Under the Red Sky, where he points out that the little boy and the little girl got baked into a pie. If you're uh, taking bets in Vegas, the over-under on Bob Dylan and Pope Francis references is infinity. So, (laughs) smart money is on the over. Uh, (laughs) You okay? Tim's having a heart attack over here. He's laughing. I can't tell. But, uh, yeah, it was really good. It was much better than the miniseries that I remember from my youth. And the book, by the way, I want to talk about the book a little bit because I don't have a Catholic book guy podcast. The book is vulgar. It has one scene which is absolutely gravely immoral and stupid and ruins the book, which I won't spoil because I hate spoilers. But it also has many transcendent uh, aspects to it. And I feel almost like it's worth a podcast, but instead I'm going to shoehorn my discussion of the movie and book It into... A Halloween blowout special podcast with a special guest star, not the Tim Man. Dr. Bo Bonner? No, the totally fake, new. He's not a real doctor. This is, this is my Catholic horror movie guru, okay? And I will not reveal his name. That I will not do. Because the Tim Man doesn't watch scary movies. It's not something he does. I watch a suspenseful movie, but I don't like the uh, intentionally horror films. You know, what's the point, really? Well, there is a point, and we'll talk about it on that podcast, so uh, all you uh, Fright fans out there, look forward to that. So who are you going to have on? Again, I am enjoying the show, <laughs> I will not tell you. So, Thank you, Bass Burglar. <laughs> that's real inside baseball. If you get that joke, email me and you'll get a prize. Nothing. <laughs> Today we're talking about two mucho serioso films, am I right? We. Oui. The epic companion piece... Two Flags of Our Fathers, Letters from Iwo Jima, and the uh, companion piece to Letters from Iwo Jima, Flags of Our Fathers, by the wonderful, wonderful director, Clint Eastwood, from the year 2006, 
What Go do you think? ahead. Make my day. Wrong movie, Tom, but right director. What did you think? Impressions overall of each movie. Uh, both movies were high-quality movies. I thought Letters from Iwo Jima is one of the best movies that I've seen. Really hits hard, makes all the points. It's fantastic. Flags of Our Fathers, I thought to be somewhat more predictable and lightweight. And it was mildly entertaining, but nothing that I would see twice. I'm going to go ahead and object to the phrase lightweight, being that it's about World War II and nothing about that's really lightweight. I don't think you... Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, you're just saying... Compared to Iwo Jima. It's not as good. But otherwise, I agree overall. Uh, I'm going to shout out to the true fanboys out there. If you actually have been listening to this podcast since the beginning, I believe it was our fourth or fifth show, we canvassed our favorite war films of all time. And it's always an odd thing to say your favorite war film, film, because, you know, they're all horrible. Uh, But Letters from Iwo Jima, I think, we kind of were like, and we know it's not the best war film of all time, probably, but it's it might be our favorite, I think, was was the take there, at least my take. And uh, I have not soured in that opinion. I saw it in the theater, watching it again recently. It's really just a a breathtakingly poignant and wonderful film. So I'm going to save that second. Let's start with Flags of Our Fathers. When I when this movie came out, I was a little hesitant because I don't like the just rah-rah, go USA war movies. I mean, there's a place for that sort of thing, don't get me wrong. But in this milieu, I don't like it because, you know, war really isn't a rah-rah thing for me at all. And when I saw Flags of Our Fathers, and I thought it was just going to be like a, a lionization of Iwo Jima and the cause of the U.S. and the people involved... And of course, it, it is somewhat, you know, a tribute to those men. But what it really is, is I was I was surprised because I had never seen this. This was my first and only viewing uh, in preparation for the podcast pretty recently. I was surprised at how cynical or if not cynical, at least uh, questioning. I don't even know how to say it. The, the movie takes a somewhat jaded view of the Iwo Jima battle and the the particularly the picture. I didn't know the backstory of the picture. Yeah, I think if I were to, to kind of encapsulate the movie, I would think it's um, it's two things. The cynical part is to see how the actions of the soldiers are used for propaganda by the, the home country government. Certainly the U.S. government did that with these men, but any country really strives for war propaganda, so it's not like the U.S. has the market cornered on that. But then also it's the nature of heroism, what makes a hero, what actions are heroic. It reminds me of the great Rush song, Nobody's Hero, which appeared on their Roll the Bones album in the 90s, the great 90s. Yeah, it's a terrible album. Terrible. No, it's fantastic. It's not, it's okay. It's not Bob. No, no, I mean, even by Rush standards, it was a, it was not great. It contains maybe one of their greatest songs, which is Dreamline. Right, I agree, but that's one song. Yeah, that can go a long way. And it doesn't. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, I think I like the film more than you, based on our pre-podcast discussion. That's not surprising, because you're more anti-American than I am. Well, I don't know about <laughs> that. I'm, I'm just, I don't buy all the BS. But uh, I'm under a, a, a disadvantage in that I saw that movie second, and I think probably it would have benefited to watch it first. I saw it second, too. It and came out first. Right. I just said I saw it in preparation for this podcast for the first time. Yeah. So, Tim listens to the podcast. Anyway, uh... No! 
Who would listen to this? What I appreciate about the movie, it, it focuses on the, the picture, the famous picture of Iwo Jima, and how, you know, basically they got it wrong from the get-go, and they didn't much care, they being the government, who was in the picture, just so long as they could prop someone up as being in the picture and and thereby embolden people to buy war bonds and uh, support the U.S. cause. Can I uh, make an interjection for family history? Of course. Okay, our oldest brother, who shall remain nameless, uh, was good with the arts, and he uh, designed a float for the uh, St. Louis Veiled Prophet Parade when he was in high school, and it was that very self-same Iwo Jima theme, and he uh, his float won, and he was entered into the parade. Right, and I mean, it's an iconic image, it's a great image, and... What you know? What the movie's about is not only were the people that originally got credit for it not necessarily the ones who did that, but also <laughs> that the image, which looks like it's taking place in the midst of a bloody uh, onslaught, was actually just people putting up a flag during a relatively calm spot in the battle. And not actually doing that, but putting up a replacement. It was flag a replacement for the, of the original one, which was also not. Yeah. So, so basically, they they it was and and I did not get the sense from from letters from Iwo Jima about just how long the battle for that island was. So just plotting it out, they take this mount, Mount Suribayashi, Suribashi, if I'm mispronouncing it, but they take the mountain, they go up and they plant the flag. Everybody cheers like, hey, it was a sign of victory. It was five days into a 35-day battle, but they were winning, obviously. But then uh, some uh, some general or congressman or somebody wanted to get a, that flag, and the person who commanded that regiment didn't want that flag to be distributed out, so he ordered some soldiers to replace that flag with another flag. And it was the the replacement flag going up. That's the picture that was taken. So as you discuss this movie, some of the people were there for both flag raisings in the picture. Some were only for one and some were for the other. Right. And that, and that as a you know historical fact, was interesting to me, and I didn't know it. I'm ashamed to admit. Neither the length of the battle nor this story. So that's great. But what interests me more about the picture is... Of course, there's a kind of cross-examination of patriotism and specifically propaganda of any war effort, which I think is a sobering dose of reality in our times of artifice and facade on nearly everything about, you know, what is presented to us in the media. And this is like one of those classic examples of, you know, they got this picture because of, you know, you weren't going to see a picture like this in 1000, you know, it's some battle or whatever. This picture is supposed to show you, you know, the purpose of journalism is supposed to show you what's really going on in the war effort, and actually, no, it's just a tool of whoever is proposing the information to you to shape the story as they see fit. So that's very relevant today. And I think that, to me, was the most, you know, that was the second most interesting part of the movie. The most interesting part of the movie, to me, is, and maybe you'll differ on the morality of this, what is the morality of these soldiers involved in this? You know, they're innocently kind of caught up in rightly or wrongly, uh, being the, the poster boys for the U.S. war effort, and they're made to front for, at some level, a lie, which mm-hmm. is, in particular, one person gets credit for being in the picture when he isn't, and one person is completely forgotten who is in the picture. Yeah, and, you know, one of the main characters, they, they struggle with this throughout. They uh, The first time they have to give a speech in a public place where they're hailed as heroes, the first guy comes up and says, you know, we're, we're not heroes. I just was a runner. I did this. We didn't really do a whole lot. And uh, we basically just put up this flag. The real heroes are the people who fought. 
and you should uh, donate for the war bond effort, you know, because of them, and then applause, but, you know, not thunderous applause, but applause, and then over time, they just hone the message, and they just get tired of having to explain it over and over, and they become the thing that they they front for, and it all comes to a head at one major uh, ceremony at Soldier Field, where uh, it just gets to be too much, and uh, they skedaddle. Yeah, and ironically, I mean, put aside the morality of fronting for what is at least a partial lie, or half-truth at best, uh, their efforts in doing this actually wear away at them, in particular the American Indian character, in a way that is almost <laughs> equal to the trauma of war, you know? Like, he would rather be in, in the foxhole or whatever than uh, having to go out on stage and perform and be the hero in front for this. And it, it does serious psychological damage to the guy. Yeah. You know, he, in real life, he, uh, he died of exposure. Which was a, an easy way to say he died of alcoholism. He had, went on a bender right. and, uh, and I mean, froze to death. Totally portrayed in the movie. Yeah. And, and really, he, he to me, uh, when we were talking, I'm, I'm, you can stop me, but the, the reason Why? I didn't think it was It's a long-form format, and it's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> it was a good movie, but I just kind of thought it was a little one-notey. Like, every, the, the characters made a point... They made the point, then they made that point again, and then again, and then yeah. again. It's like, okay, I okay, get it. Okay, so I would, I would agree it is a good movie about war. And it is not the usual war movie, because there are battle scenes, but it's not really about the field of battle. Yeah, I mean, that's actually kind of one of the more disappointing things, is that Iwo Jima really no, wasn't no, no. about the battle per se either, but it's about uh, it's about the human condition. I'll disagree. But I'll disagree. There's much more action in Iwo Jima than there is in Flags of Our Father, that's, although the action they shoot is really well done. That's why I, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie that didn't focus on the battle, which was seemingly gratuitous in light of Iwo Jima's existence. But we'll come back to that in a second. I just want to say, you know, the main point of this movie, in addition to the the brotherhood of being in the war, you know, the war, which is every movie, the main point that I took away from this movie is the heroism in just doing what's in front of you, whether, you know, whatever you're being called to do, uh, to do it and do it well, whether you're fighting on the battlefield, whether you're called to to leave the battlefield and, and, you know, get people to buy war bonds. It's kind of like, there there are heroes, but really... Any heroic action is seeing what to do and, and doing it well. You know, and that's that's kind of what everyday Catholicism teaches us is the right, you know, just doing the duties of your state of life kind of thing and is heroic in its own way. And it, I thought it did a nice job of capturing the horror of war because the things that you see and the things that you're forced to do, they really are horrific. I mean, we're not intended to kill each other. I mean, God didn't create us to do that. It's an exception, isn't it? It is. I mean, there can be just wars. Yeah, but it's horrible. I am not saying the U.S. role in World War II was a just war under the Aquinas theory. And I'm not saying it wasn't. That may be another discussion. But you do what you can. And so this notion of doing things for your buddies and doing things for the guy next to you makes a lot of sense. Because that is really your only tie to humanity in the face, especially in modern warfare, of this incredible, arbitrary, killing evil machine that you find yourself in and how do you when you make decisions minute to minute i'm I'm bringing it in okay you make decisions minute to minute that if you didn't go to war you might make an entire lifetime's worth of important decisions in like 15 minutes and how do you live with that i mean it's crazy yeah i hope i never have to make those decisions but it is the lesser of the two films clearly i don't care what anybody says that's an objective fact so let's wrap up this discussion reverend with a rating, Tim. Okay. 
I'm going to go ahead and give this movie 7. 6.9. The Tim Man's. The Tim's Man. The Tim Man, 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 the Tim Man. I think you're underrating it. I think your expectations are unreasonable. I'm going to give it 7.75. That's 7.75. Fake pictures. And I'm not going to go through that. So, okay. So, we, we liked the movie. We didn't... I wouldn't say I love the movie. It's a very worthy effort. I, I would recommend it to anyone. I think it has a lot of good things to say. But it's not a uh, it's not a masterpiece or epic in, in the way that the, the companion piece is. It's okay. Okay. If you're going to say okay, 6.9 is too high. It's 6.9. All right. Now, let's move on to the wonderful, wonderful film. It's a little movie by Clint Eastwood. And it came out shortly thereafter. And it's wonderful. It's subtitled, <laughs> and it's Letters from Iwo Jima. That's Tim, right. Tim, this movie, I cried, I laughed, I felt deeply, Yeah. and I loved it. Why did I love it? Tell me. I demand you tell me now. It's about grace. He's 100% right, and he's 0% wrong. <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. I. It is. This thing is about humanity, the human condition, the response of human beings in these things. And, and the easy lesson, it's not an invalid one, but the easy point of the movie is that, hey, even though they're not on our side of the war, these people fought for something, and they were real people too, and we should cut them a break, see it from their point of view. If it were only that, it'd be a 6.9 crowd pleaser, but it's much more than that. It is really fantastic. So, I mean, we're going to get to lauding the movie because I haven't, I don't have any criticisms for it, really. Um, but I'm going to go Just start... one. Wait. I'm going to start with a personal experience. Yeah? I s- yeah, that's right. I'm going to do that. Okay. Is that okay? Sorry for the... Yeah? Yeah. So, I saw this in 2006 upon the recommendation of a wonderful, wonderful film reviewer. I believe it was Stephen Gradonis, uh, Tim. Was it, was it, Tim? I don't you remember. You said a wonderful film reviewer. And... Uh, I was just blown away. It was the first movie that I had ever seen that had examined a war. And I mean, I'd seen Platoon. I'd seen Apocalypse Now. I've seen movies like that, which are merely, and perhaps accurately, I'm not saying they're not, critical of the U.S. version of events or whatever. But I had never seen a movie that brought me into into the trenches with the other side of a war that, you know, we are supposedly the good guys and they're the bad guys. And in this movie, it made me see not only that, of course, fighting for your country doesn't make you evil in much the same way that, you know, Robert E. Lee is being tarnished now for fighting for Virginia, but just that, you know, on every side of of a war, no matter how much you're in the right, someone else has a a point to to their fight too. But the thing I took away from this in examining the Japanese culture, I was struck. I mean, these are people who were taught that basically the emperor is, you know, is God, is divine, that they that their cause is never is is never going to fail. It was it was like an examination or a, a reexamination of the of a pagan way of looking at uh, at, at a war. And I and I and the thing I the thing I was struck by is the contrast between how the Japanese viewed winning and losing, surviving and dying surrendering and of course honoring and and the honor of harry carey what is the honorable response to failure i set you up there time out harry carey 
Yeah! <laughs> That's right! Right. The, the preference of ritual suicide over surrender and the preference of, of dying rather than, you know, being humiliated. And this is, and this is a contrast to Christian just war theory, which not only says there are certain wars that are okay and certain wars that aren't, but also that at a certain point of knowing that you're going to lose a war, you almost have a duty to surrender. Not almost, but part of just war doctrine is you have to have a reasonable chance to win. Yeah. So surrender is appropriate when that prong is taken away because right. and certainly and certainly fight, and certainly morally superior to suicide right which is the, the contrast right and when you when you reach that point where you no longer i mean it's not like you're guaranteed to win but a reasonable chance to win um that is when it becomes a, a moral duty to surrender because at that point you're no longer you're committing a mortal sin by killing people without fighting in a just war now right. well to it, give soldiers no, yeah, yeah. to give soldiers credit you're not in a position where you can reason these things out, probably in the heat of battle, but you're just talking about theories and philosophies, and that's what I'm addressing there. Yeah. So not ascribing personal culpability to anybody. And seeing the struggle, who's the main character's name? It's escaping. Saigo. So his his essential struggle between what he knows and we would... He's the soldier. You could say it's the general. No, 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 the general we'll get to in a minute. But the essential struggle of his character... Basically, from a natural law perspective, everything inside of of a human rebels against the idea of suicide. We believe that as Catholics, and I think it's pretty patently obvious. And this is basically either actual suicide is advocated by the fellow soldiers and and commanders, by and large, or figuratively committing suicide by continuing to fight when there's absolutely no chance of victory. And to see his inner instincts, or his knowledge of the natural law, fight against his overwhelming cultural milieu pressure how he was raised the, the the culture of the army is a struggle that that was very interesting to watch i think it's also interesting that the the movie doesn't say anything about his religion per se but he does somewhat appear to be a monotheist from the limited dialogue we yeah. get he's taking the uh the pot out you know right. beeper get off the pot my father would say god rest his soul it's he's had pot exactly he's having to empty the pot and as he does so, he, he trips and falls and humiliates himself. In the middle of a battle. Of battle. And he kind of, you know, like, this would be my first instinct because I'm a, a disreputable person. It's like, it's like, why are you picking on me, God? And God of the capital G, singular. And then he nearly gets killed and is saved. And he's like, thank you, God. Right. I mean, that is monotheism from uh, Adam to present to me. You know? So here's the thing, too. he They don't make any overt claim that he is Catholic. No, 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 of course But not. there are Catholics in Japan. Sure. And as an aside, we all know that... Despite what silence would tell you and Father James Martin. Uh, right, well... You had to give up your... Thumb. Your buddy, Freemasonic Harry Truman, sure. who mass-murdered all those people at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they happened to be... Nagasaki was had the largest Catholic population in Japan. True story. Yeah. Hiroshima had a very large Catholic population. There were Catholics in Japan. It's... It would not be unbelievable that there were Catholics who served in the Japanese army in Iwo Jima. That isn't what this movie's about. But that monotheistic thought is present in some of them. And it's actually true. So this guy, he he and his wife are expecting a child. He hasn't met the child, or the child maybe has been born already by then. But this natural law will to survive. It's written in our, in our bones. Propagation of the species. And he wants to make it home. He promises his kid before he leaves by talking and to the tummy that he's coming a home. a wonderful, low-key pro-life scene right there. Yeah, that's oh, fantastic. 
And I want to say, I mean, I'm not being that fair to Silence, which is far more nuanced, or to Father Martin's uh, view on it, for whatever his demerit, <laughs> for whatever his demerits and other aspects. But right. it did illuminate my, uh, you know, retroactively watching this again, uh, my understanding of Silence in the Japanese culture and how difficult the Christian faith must have been to break through this idea and, and of which the the honor suicide is a you know like the pinnacle of valuing everything but you know the natural law foolishness to the greek yeah i mean yeah. it's a stumbling block to the jews so it's sure. like humility victory from defeat these are christian concepts and they transform the world so, yes, these people, though, are not bad people. They have a sense of honor. The great great thing is they look at us as the barbarians, and we look at them as these heathen barbarians, uh, culturally speaking. But the the general, Ken Watanabe, he One, was a absolutely wonderful, wonderful role. Great actor. It's hard to describe what made the movie so great, except I think the fact that it's in Japanese with subtitles makes you focus on scenery, on cinematography, on emotion, and then... You read the you read the lines and they convey information, but really you're in that film, and it really makes you feel like you're on the Japanese side. Just that they didn't have people affecting a Japanese accent speaking English made all oh, the difference so, in the world. Oh, so so authentic. But you know, I, I find in subtitled movies that it, even sometimes when I'm watching a movie in English, I'll want to do the subtitles just so I get the full effect of the actual dialogue. I don't miss anything. It really does heighten your focus, and far from detracting from the acting, I think it, it helps to, to just let you experience the entirety of the scene, of the dialogue, everything that goes into it. But I want to say the soundtrack is great. I mean, when I say soundtrack, score. The score is very moving, and it's the not... The cinematography it's not, is... Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing is over... Sepia. Nothing ever goes to treacle like some war movies yeah. do. And, and at the same time, it's not so minimalistic as to be this gritty, like, handheld cam thing. It's definitely, you're watching a movie. It is perfectly restrained and lush at the and same time. And he shows you these little vignettes into each person's life, which gives you the context of how they react during battle mm-hmm. and how things can be misunderstood and how people react based upon their history. It is so fantastic. Yeah, and, and I wanted to say about the cinematography, it's intentionally, uh, you know, yeah. de- denuded a little yeah. bit. Which is which fits the the landscape of the war. Um, the favorite scene, though, absolutely favorite scene, is the pot. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, um, come on, lots of great. things, man. They're it's re- so good. And, and, and then, the only criticism I had, by the way, was the fact that just like in the in the flags of our fathers, thirty five day battle. You have no idea from this movie. If you didn't know the history going in, you would have no idea the battle took that long. It looks like it's maybe three to four to five days. I would I would say a little longer than that. Maybe a couple you weeks. You sense but yeah. time, but not really the but amount see, of time. I disagree a little bit in that one. It's a companion piece, so they kind of are assuming you you have the knowledge of flags of our yeah, fathers. That's true. That's However, true. I, this is a criticism that kind of. Dunkirk has gotten recently too that you didn't get a, a sense of the you didn't get the a sense of the immensity of what was going on, but that's not, not really the, the point, point of the this point. movie at all. No. This this movie is not about the historical as much as Flags of Our Fathers is about the historicity of the event. This movie is not at all. It's about Japanese culture. It's about war generally. It's about pagan culture. It's about brotherhood. It's about the the differences between the two and the similarities the the beautiful scene where they take the American in for instance yeah. this movie has absolutely and and you know how you would react under you know bombardment literal bombardment and being trapped 
knowing that your death is all but certain. That's what this it does a good about. job also of capturing what so I mean, because you know, thank God I haven't had to describe this myself, but um, what soldiers often say, and when you read their historical accounts, which is war is a lot like a trial lawyer in the sense you hurry up and wait, mm-hmm. lots of prep tension, waiting, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens, it's never going to happen, and then bam, it's on you. And it seems sudden, and you've been preparing it the whole time. They prepared for this battle for so long, and the preparation was also part of the wonderful part of this movie. It, it, it's it's terrific. I, I, can't, I can't recommend this thing highly enough. And I want to say a, a neat thing, now that I've seen them both finally, you know, recently is that there are actual scenes that are shared between the two movies, and there are scenes that are seen from only the perspective of the Americans and only from the perspective of the Japanese. It's nothing like they fit together like a jigsaw puzzle, like you have to see each one, not at all. But knowing that, it's pretty cool what they did. And, I mean, I've always liked Clint Eastwood as a director, even in movies where I didn't like the movies, what it tried to say, like Million Dollar Baby. Um, I've always thought he's a very skilled director, but I don't think he ever succeeded like he did in Iwo Jima in making a movie that's just just perfect. One of the things that we talked about was uh, one of those little dovetail moments. Because you see the ritual of Hari Kiri with the grenades. That's what they have. Boom, they tap their helmet and they hold the grenade to their chest and then they get blown up. In Flags of Our Fathers, they come into these caves and they find all these corpses with like their innards exploded. And if you didn't know that it, I mean, it fits, that's how they did it. You know, yeah. it's like, it, it's very, very powerful to see the aftermath. Because in the movie Iwo Jima, you don't see the aftermath. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. just. And one of the things I like too about Iwo Jima is that there are three characters at least that are, tr- they really go into depth to show you how wonderful they are as people. That they're really good and honest, decent people, and they go into some detail. And we know from our, from the from the NFL, and from all the propaganda we're subjected to. I mean, we have heroes. We know who they are. We we understand them. But they're not doing that to sort of apologize for the Japanese side. That would be too obvious. But just that the, each side has people that you can point to and say these are decent human beings. You know, we're all creatures of God, and everybody has the capacity to respond to grace. That's all. So it's a movie that, you know, it, it hit me the first time, and it's it hasn't diminished in my opinion over the course of the last decade. Um, Tim, what did you think of the movie? What what would you rate it, bud? The first time I saw it, I thought it was really extremely good. I probably would have given it a 9 out of 10, but on second viewing, I've got to change my review to a flat-out gold star, multi-banger, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. What is a multi banger what does that even mean uh, just go ahead and give no, no, no. just give the rating please yeah the 10 minutes times 10 the 10 minutes 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 yeah and i'm gonna give this 10 poopots out of 10 poopots 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 isn't it poo's pot no but what tim what did my wife think of the movie? I don't know. Hello? Hi, honey. Oh, hi. How's it going? Uh, I'm okay. i got to cut to the chase here. Do you know that movie Flags of Our Fathers? Oh, yeah. Did you like it? 
And uh, do you know that movie, Letters from Iwo Jima? Yes. Did you like it? Ooh, don't remember it. But uh, I I remember liking it at the time. Is that pretty much it then? Yeah, I got nothing exciting. Any other things you like? You. Goodbye! There you have it. The Catholic Movie Gal likes me. The Steve. I will say that that was somewhat like Flag of Our Fathers because she had to front for what I believe to be <laughs> pure propaganda and possibly a lie. Oh, I'm chagrined, I'm distraught, I'm embarrassed, but most of all, I'm done. And I'm the Catholic Movie Guy, and I'm out. Party on, Wayne.